The monumental episode 113, Johnny. Oh, that's this is when we catch our stride. This is, I mean, you can go back in history right. and know that this was the moment famous shows began to really take off. Remember the 113th episode of Seinfeld? I do. I mean, there was one, but I don't remember yeah. what exactly how, it was. How many did you do? They did a bunch, because I remember episode 100 was like one of those, like, clip package kind of shows that every oh. show does where they go, remember when George did yeah. this? Highlight. But I don't mind those because Seinfeld makes me laugh. It, still, to this day, it makes me laugh. So I'm like, all right. But now I look back and I go, okay, that was a little bit lazy. That was like, let's give the writers a week off. Did you watch Seinfeld in the locker room with Michael Jordan on the last dance? Yeah, it was yeah. interesting. It was very well, you know why 100 episodes is important to uh, sitcoms, though, right? Syndication. Syndication. Yeah. Because then you can sell it to like you know a cable network and then they show it five days a week and you get like Buku, that's when the royalties just exponentially grow. I wonder how much the Friends actors are making weekly or monthly off of... I mean, there's no... Because on Nickelodeon, it's back-to-back from like if 10 were, o'clock to right. 3 a.m. Uh-huh. Yeah, t- and the same with TBS. If you were in that mode, would you... I mean, you're, you're going to lie. I'm not even know why I'm asking you this. <laughs> Do you think you would lose your motivation to keep creating things? Oh. Because, like, if you don't want to be, obviously, there's that thing of, like, I don't want to be Ross forever. Right. And so I got to go do Broadway now to show that I have acting chops because I don't want to get typecast. Yeah. But then after the first couple of projects fail, because a lot of them had extra other projects that came out. And you have that curse of, we only see you as Phoebe or whatever. Yeah. You know, it happened to Julie Louis-Dreyfus for a couple of shows. And then she caught on with Veep. And then she's just, like, she's funnier today than she was on the show on yeah. Seinfeld. She's so great. Like, she's one of the best comedic actresses we've ever had. But she's very, uh, the exception that proves the rule. You know, Jason Alexander had four, three or four failed shows. So it's like, but, yeah, Jason Alexander is a millionaire many times over. Right. Never has to work again. But is that a, th- like, yeah, you need still need a purpose, I guess, to get up. I don't know. You know, it's weird. I was actually praying yesterday about... Um, Jason Alexander? About Jason Alexander. <laughs> <laughs> it's so weird you bring Lord, that up. just... I don't know why I thought of it. <laughs> I was thinking about like, you know, when you pray for projects, because we just pitched a book and and you go, well, I'm at the point in my life where I'm actually asking, I think, for bigger things. Yeah. But I'm not, I'm asking for different reasons because now I've, now I know, like, for example, I, I'm not just looking for more money or whatever, but I right. know this. The more that a publisher invests into a project, yeah. I've now done this 20-something times. I know from the being the collaborator, mm-hmm. a smaller investment means a smaller amount of buy-in. So they're yeah. less likely to really carry it on out and yeah, put yeah. full energy and so you, you're kind of like not, you're not just asking for more. You, I, I want projects to succeed, you know, but it was a weird prayer because I was like, well, God, I'm not, I'm not asking to not have to depend upon you. Like you're almost that thing you're just saying, I'm not asking for syndication here where I never have to worry about things again. Like the dependency upon you is where I'm supposed to live every day. So it's like this weird, I started thinking if I, if I had endless resources, like you're saying, would I still feel or would I, could I di- be disciplined in my belief systems to know that I'm still dependent upon Christ yeah. for the thing? Anyway, very interesting. I don't know, Ed, but I agree with you about the thing um, of investment on the other side. It doesn't always, but it's generally, I mean, in my experience. So, like, as your fee goes up, uh, definitely as a comic. So, if somebody if you, somebody calls you and they convince you to do a show for 100 bucks and a piece of pizza, yeah, they're just not they're not going to even put out a flyer. They're not going to 
put a Facebook ad. They're not, you know. Yep. So the, as your as your fee goes up, their investment um, causes them to take action for sure. Um, and it doesn't always guarantee success, but it it's definitely not going to succeed the other way. Um, right. And so, and even like some people, there's, I know comics who won't do free shows as far as like, in other words, you paid me a fee, but then everybody in the room got in for free Yeah. because their thing is like, if you pay $10, you're going to laugh your $10 worth. Yeah. But if you got in for free, you're going to be folding your arms like, all right, let's see it. Chuckle boy. Yeah. Now I've done a lot of shows where there was a, not a paid audience there and they've been fine. I think it depends on the tone and plus I'm just awesome. No. <laughs> right. No, it's not that. I, but I, I mean, I've seen both ways. Yeah. You know, Shonda Pierce, uh, my friend who's a comic, she famously used to say she doesn't do comedy clubs, but she's been in a lot of churches that could use a two drink minimum. <laughs> and, uh, so <laughs> I've been in those situations too, where you get a really like stiff, yeah. uh, kind of like a religious crowd where it's like, Oh, I don't like the way he said that he say fart or whatever they get. Right. So they're a little stiff, but, um, yeah, I think it'd be interesting to know, like, I think I've, I, I'm not rich by any standard, but I think I've made enough money, uh, in my career to know that money isn't the thing. Right. And that's something that you can't show somebody. And I think that's fascinating. Like I would have never believed that about myself. Like, even if I went like, if I met my future self and my future self said, Trust me, Money's not the one thing. day you're going to know this. I'd be like, yeah, sure. I still wouldn't believe. <laughs> sure. And so there's a, there's a bird and I'm, I'm, I'm kind of jealous of the naivete of that. Cause I know a lot of people who think if they made another $20,000 a year, they would be happy. Yeah. And I know enough to know that's not true. And yeah. it's kind of sad. It's kind of a letdown to know that. Yeah. Uh, is it one of those things that you can know without having had experienced it that's the real question i guess and i'm sure people now are out there speculating on what i make now (laughs) trust me right now it's zero (laughs) so if you want to feel bad feel bad for that we're not talking ferraris and stuff here no no no. yeah but it's just interesting like you just put an idea in your head and plus plus i mean i didn't go to college so i mean i this is beyond my wildest dreams just to be able to do this for a living yeah and so um I mean, right now I'm not. Right now I'm podcasting for a living. So mm. visit our fine Patreon site. <laughs> no, but it's the thing of you. You go, okay. Well, somebody without uh, a college education, like, what could I expect to make? So yeah, when you when you think about what I what I'm able to to do, and just that I can do it as a career, yeah. But I I never would have thought like people I, like what I mean is somebody always goes, if I just had the nicer truck or if I had enough money yeah. to pay off this boat, I'd be happy. And I know enough to know that's not true. Yeah. And I kind of, uh, I'm almost envious of people who still live in that naivete because, I mean, I used to feel it. And it's just something I'll, I don't think I could ever feel again. Yeah. So if, you, pay, you paid off your boat and it did nothing for you. I don't have a boat. <clears throat> but, uh, no, but, but again, I'm doing the same thing when I say, well, if you were Jason Alexander, would you ever work again? Right. So that there's, I guess there's still another level where I go, yeah, but we're talking yeah. millions and millions. Then would that be another level? But honestly, I don't know. I think uh, you still want to be able to get out of bed and have a reason to be. Because we're dealing with that now. I mean, I don't have shows, but I still get up and go, I want to try to do something today and make something today. Like we meet every week still and make yeah. this show. And I'm trying to I'm working on a project, a book project. I'm, you know, and I'm doing I'm trying to do every Zoom show that I can to stay, stay sharp. And I'm trying to stay in contact with people. But it's not the same. But it's I don't feel like, well, I'm just going to lay here until July. Right. You know. No, it's true. And I mean, the Great Depression taught us that, you know, that 
you look at our grandparents' generation and what they took pride in when they <clears throat> could not necessarily take pride in the the sort of work that was producing advancement financially for their families. Um, you know, there's you also look at I was I mean the flip complete opposite side of that would be you know this last dance documentary Michael Jordan when they get into that well, I think I have an episode five or six last night where oh you're just on six he literally is now it's right after Barcelona yeah and he is now the most iconic famous figure not just in sports but most recognizable figure in the world mm-hmm. across the board and you see him then that he's in the locker room lacing up his shoes going yeah but I still want to win this championship. Like the idea somehow, and I think a lot of it was unhealthy, but that single minded kind of goal and that I thought that the interviews with Barack Obama and interviews with some of, um, you know, the like Chicago natives and Chicago luminaries. Yes. Who, during yeah. that whole election in North Carolina, whenever the racist Senator was running against the African American. Right, Thurman. And they asked Michael Jordan to come. No, it wasn't Strom Thurman. It was another guy. And they asked, uh, I forget his name. And they asked the, um, Michael Jordan to endorse and he wouldn't do it. And he yeah. said, we well, yeah, are Republicans buy shoes too. Right. And like what that did, but hearing Michael's side of it saying like, well, Here's the deal. I I don't think he says. Look, I hope I inspire you. Right, and that's great if I do. If I do not, maybe I'm not the person you should be looking at anyway. Like that was such a fascinating. You just assume someone who has the one of the most famous jingles of all time be like Mike, written about him, has Nike, Gatorade, and yeah. anything else you can think of. You would assume that he bears the weight. I think of that um, influence, and I think he I think that he does. But to hear his take of, hey, just because I have this doesn't mean I have to bear that weight. I'm a basketball player. Yeah. I'm going to try to be the best basketball player I can. And if that helps you, great. You know, if it doesn't, I just, I think it, it, point being, it's not like suddenly that all of a sudden completely fulfilled him in those areas. No, in fact, that's part of the thing that kind of, two, I had two issues with it. Uh, Don't, Don't spoil anything for me. Two takeaways that I got from it. One was just journalistically. Which I expected you to have a take on that because, you know, your boy Ken Burns has already come out and said, like, he didn't love it because this is not how you do journalism. Because Jordan basically had final cut. Yeah. And even there are scenes in it that even the episodes that you say you've seen, you've seen up to six where there'll be a scene that somebody has, you know, let's say Gary Payton or somebody has said something. And then he's watching it on the iPad and laughing at that person and giving like a double take of like, well, that's not true. And then he gets to kind of follow up and give the last word on everything that's been said about him. And Ken Burns is like, that's not how documentaries work. You don't get to go in and make it a, uh, you know, a uh, propaganda piece, a pro-Jordan propaganda piece, which is basically what The Last Dance is. It's just that America's cool with that because there's no sports right now. And we're just like, and we do believe Michael Jordan was a god in essence. And so we're like, no, no, this confirms. And plus, there's that bias that you have when you're a kid or you want to believe like, we're not seeing a lot of missed shots, is what I'm saying. Like, Jordan <laughs> shot about 50% for his career. Yeah. But it's like, now there's this image of him. But he even said when it was going to come out, uh, I, I expect that people are going to look at me differently, even like if I was a bad teammate. He was a little bit concerned, which is f- fascinating to me because he... Uh, because he's so protective of the final cut because he knew he had the ability to kibosh the whole thing and say, like, nope, you're not putting that scene out. No, I don't want that in part of the interview. And he could tell that he could kind of maneuver the guy. Um, 
But he did come off to me as, you know, like uh, Scott Burrell, who was his teammate. Like, he just kills that guy because Scott Burrell's just this nice guy. He's like the 12th man on that championship team. Yeah. And he's just killing him, you know, and just cursing him out in practice and just like, and again, it's that, that singular mindset and all that. But that's what I tweeted the other night. I was like, after watching this, there's no doubt in the world who was the best. It was Michael. And there's no doubt who's the happier person. It's LeBron. <laughs> like LeBron is happier because that was my second takeaway is that like Jordan was not, uh, he doesn't seem like he's content. Like yeah. you would imagine that he would be. Right. And Even looking back, he's still in it. Yep. Didn't you notice that when he was, uh, I can't remember what, what episode, but he's talking about this stuff that happened. And then you'll go to the person who was in it and they go, yeah, looking back, that was a dumb thing to do. And Jordan's still like, yeah, that guy's a jerk. Yeah. Like he's still there 20 years ago. And the other guy has 20 years of like, he's looking back. He's yeah. going, man, I was just a kid. Well, you know, I watched the Coo Coach, the Coo Coach thing, <laughs> yeah. and and, and Coo Coach, I thought he was Jordan, like laughing, like I had no idea these guys hated me yeah. like that. And Jordan kind of copped to that. He goes, "That guy had nothing to do with it, right?" You know, like we, he didn't know what was going on. This was, you know. well, then you find out he made up half that stuff <clears throat> to just motivate himself. Like, oh, that person never even like a couple of the, in, in the interactions that he said this person dissed me. And I put yeah. in my mind that that person's going to get him. I thought the whole like refusing to show the Reebok logo, yeah, and draping the American flag over it, and right. everyone knew that was happening then. I thought that was a weird. I didn't know. I had no idea that that was why he did it. But I, I just remember that photo. But you heard Marv Albert saying he's draped the American flag for maybe more than one reason. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so, like at the ceremony, and you're like, okay. That's a weird place to dig in. We didn't even see in the backstory. We saw Adidas didn't want him. That's who yeah. he wanted to be with. Uh -huh. We didn't really see in the backstory that Reebok had done anything to him. That well, I know no, of. it's just that thing of like, he knew that even then, I've got to protect a brand. Do you think one shot yeah. is going to make us go buy a He was Reebok? even talking about it in the car, like, they think they're going to get me and yeah. blah, blah, blah. He was like almost just being cocky about like, they don't know what's coming for him. And yeah, I think Jordan is the greatest player to ever play. Yeah. And he is not a sympathetic figure to me uh, or likable. Like his his uh, Hall of Fame speech is a – it's crazy to watch because you just – you see people breaking down now. I mean every other Hall of Fame speech you see him just like, I'm so grateful and I'm this. And his was just full of still – he's still, like I say, he's still back in the moment mad at his <laughs> junior high coach for cutting him yeah, or the varsity coach who cut him that first year. He's like, you motivated me, and I want to thank you. And you're just like, whoa. Yeah. He's still back in that moment. And uh, it just came out. Even back then, I remember seeing on Twitter, like, that was the most bitter. For somebody It's like, you won, Michael. You won. Right. You know? Well, it's not like you can just, again, I was thinking when you were talking, you know, back then he had the game to throw himself into. That yeah. was where he could obsess. He doesn't have that anymore. Right. So he had to obsess over the narrative a little bit. And you just the protectivity of it all. It's such a, it's such a, I don't think you can just, who knows how much of it maybe just be pathological. You know, I don't right. mean that in some. Yeah. You go, what if, yeah, it's the kind of person where you go, if he didn't have basketball, yeah, what in the world would he have been doing? Because he had that singular mindset and he's a, uh, he's obsessed. He's an obsessive yeah. personality. So yeah, if you don't have something positive to throw that into, man, who knows what kind of person. I mean, to, to me, there's, of course I'm only in episode six, but, it's hard for me not to. I don't expect Michael Jordan. Like when he said that, I do wish he would have come out against the racist 
back then. I think right. it would have been great. And they were comparing him to Muhammad, Muhammad Ali and all that he had done for the civil rights movement uh-huh. and all those things. So – I, and again, there's only so much I can speak to this, but from my perspective, I agree with that side and am against the racist and would have loved to see the largest sports figure in the world. Right. Because the guy lost. The African-American yeah. candidate lost the election. You know, maybe that would have helped. He said, I did contribute, you know, t- financially. Um, but I also respected what he was saying because he put boundaries and limits onto what his role was mm-hmm. to say, listen, it's different if you're the president. It should be different anyway. You're accepting a role of influence at that point. Now, I do believe that right. professional athletes have an influence, and they, and, they, and they have to be mindful of it. But I think when we kind of all— You have to choose the side politically or whatever, and you, we demand that of you. Or because this candidate is the same color as you, you have to be on his side. Like, that was, that was kind of a—yeah. Well, he's from of- North Carolina and stuff, and that was—played at North Carolina, and so that, that right. was part of it, too. But that, that whole— um, I think we put way too much on sports figures. To we give them way too much influence, and well, for, yeah. to hear the one who had the most say, uh, "Guys, maybe I shouldn't have this much influence over you," yeah. like that—that that was a little refreshing, almost to me. Though I wish again he would have done something better. Whether he did it for the wrong reasons, there was a message in there that I think had some degree of validity. Like, hey, guys, you know, because the guy can play basketball really well, and he right. is photogenic. When he plays basketball well, by the way, have you seen the picture that UT Sports put out? So, you know, the old NBA logo is, you know, the red and blue right. with the, the guy dribbling, you know. Yeah, it's Jerry West. And so they put out one, that, that silhouette, and it's this guy completely flailing, like his foot is somehow up behind his head, <laughs> okay? And it looks just like it fits, and it's a real silhouette. It's yeah. John Fulkerson going for a ball, oh, wow. and yeah. somehow he's like contorted his body in it, you know? And so they every once in a while they'll tweet. It's really, really funny. That's great. They'll tweet out, because he's like, again... He was a all SEC player. Yeah. But he's not no. he's awkward to watch. Yeah, yeah. But you love him, he fights hard. Michael Jordan was, you know, all everything, but also it was like watching art when he went up yeah. in the air. So, you know, he just because he had all those things doesn't mean that suddenly he he does have a platform, but doesn't mean that he that we should ascribe to that platform all the things we describe to someone who's a college professor or someone sure. who's a well, pastor. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like you got a lot of athletes that are great at their at their sport and they're not well read, they're not yeah. intelligent or and whatever. A lot of them are. Yeah. And some of them are, but I'm saying like and basically it's because you get upset when they don't agree with you. It's just like anything else. When you say somebody's getting political, it means you don't agree with their politics, right. usually. You never would get mad. Like, people didn't get mad at Brady until he put on the MAGA hat, or he had it in his locker or whatever. Then yeah. it's like, oh, Brady's getting political. Right. It's like if Brady was anti-Trump, like most of the league, they would have been like, oh, this guy gets it. Right. You know, he would just well, he wasn't on their necessary side. He knew Trump as a friend. He was like, no, I just he gave me the hat. We played golf together a few times. It's no big deal. And they were right. like, no, it's a big deal. And so it's usually about alliances, in that case, no, you know. that's very true. I'm watching a great documentary series now on Netflix, John. You got National check it Parks? Out. No, oh, sorry, it's not National Parks. Uh, this one actually, I stayed awake. No, um, nothing wrong with National Parks, guys. Please visit our National. I parks. love how you said your boy Ken Burns. <laughs> that's right, your boy, your boy Ken Burns is out here talking trash. <laughs> he was, man. He was, yeah. But uh, no, so this this is called. I think it's called Trial by Media. Okay, and uh, George Clooney is one of the executive producers of this, but it's oh. like a, it's like six or seven little one-hour documentaries 
about different cases that were basically tried in the media as in the new era of the it started I think the first one was like eighties. Hmm. So one of them's like um uh Bernard Getz, the subway shooter in New York, and it's kinda like the 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 peak of crime. New York was the you know, murder capital of the you know, United States then. Right. And this guy shoots people on the subway. So it's the whole thing of like how the media swayed. And then the one last night was one I didn't I didn't even know the case. It was the Health South CEO back in the big HMO days and he was like this self-made billionaire and he was fudging all the numbers and then he went to trial but he got this it's in alabama and he got this southern lawyer who could go in and just kind of swing he knew how to just woo the jury Hmm. and he he got he got acquitted of 39 criminal counts wow uh and there was so much clear evidence that he fudged the numbers and just committed all this fraud and defrauded like tons of of investors and, you know, hundreds of people lost their job because this guy and they were able to pawn it off on these other five CEOs who took the government's deal to finger this guy. And he they figured out he figured out a way to. But he got a So it's this southern lawyer. And it's just it's the perfect like you need to watch it because it's just a perfect like foghorn leghorn act that he puts on. Ladies and gentlemen, another, and he starts <laughs> talking and he goes, you know, well, after seeing the the opening statement of the. Of the you know the government, I don't even know if we have a chance. And he does the whole thing of like making himself the David versus Goliath. He goes, I had to show them that, so they would say like, Well, who's saying you don't have a chance? He goes, I put that thought in their head. Well, my, why do we even have a trial? Looks like we don't even need to be here. But let me just say this: My grandmother used to have a saying: No matter how thin you pour a pancake, it's got two sides. And he said. When I said that, I saw them all lean forward in their chairs, and their eyes got big. And he's like, "I got them." Wow! And then they go through the whole thing, and he starts like he. There was a spatula hanging on his wall with that like engraved on it. You know, 30, you know, twenty years later, thirty years later, he still has that. That's his big thing, and he won this case. And then at the end of the documentary is the best part. They go, "Did your grandmother even say that?" And he goes, "No." <laughs> no, I made that up a long time ago, but she could have. And then it just goes to the credits. I'm like, this is, oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. It's kind of what was great and what's terrifying about our judicial system is yeah. that you're going to get a jury trial yeah. and you have a chance, even if, you know, they have 39 counts, there's, all hope is not lost, but it also is kind of like this idea that this cult personality could take over in a courtroom yeah. and these poor jurors are just <clears throat> held in sway by this guy who's basically a pentecostal preacher yeah. who's figured out the right words to say to them and you just go oh man this could be this is what's happened a lot probably in our judicial system you could afford the good i mean think about johnny cochran with oj there's a mountain of evidence you know there's blood everywhere yeah. you know and yet but let me just paint this other picture and then somehow he gets a couple of jurors to buy in it's reasonable doubt man yeah it's you crazy. create reasonable doubt then it, it it is it is like the best and the worst it has to be there yeah, it has to be there. Like it's important that it's there. No, and that's that that show for life is a great example of that as well. You know, yeah. that y- you still have humans involved, and you still have. I do think that the the level of influence of the power of persuasion mm-hmm. of someone's ability to verbally communicate that is a scary thing. You know, because there should be not not that it's all black and white. You know, and just facts, but you know there there ought to be. Yeah, you know, it, it should be less about the charisma of the person trying to convince you, and more about the facts. But let's be honest, people on the jury, yeah, they're 
they're like all of us. They we respond to those I mean, yeah. who I connect with. And he said uh, his opening statement. He goes, "Well, I don't even try to have a trial." And then he said this. He goes, "I had to show them that I was just like them because many of them are from rural Alabama. These jurors." And he goes, "Now I'm I'm from Dothan. Now if you don't know Dothan, if you're on the way to the beach, I'm where you stop for gas." And he goes, and then they all just busted out laughing. And I was like, this guy. Wow. Like he knew. Yeah. And meanwhile, the the the, the opening statement of the of the government was just like, boom, here's all the evidence. Here's these documents. They painted like this whole they had a whole graph. Here's when he did this. Here's the chain of command. Here's what happened. Here's what he said. And you see him nodding off. Sometimes the evidence is what like goes against you if you're you know, if you're because yeah. it's like you wore them down. Now, I don't know if it's so much now, but definitely in the 80s, you could 90s, you could be like, here's the DNA and here's why the DNA matters. Now, more so, we're like, we're leaning forward because we've watched all those crime shows. We're interested by that. But before, it's like, you're telling me about double helixes and, right. you know, chains of evidence. Yeah. And I'm just going, Ugh. <laughs> don't you know, tell me something. Tell me another witticism your grandmother told you. <laughs> you know, that's what makes me lean forward in the chair. I want to hear like something, you know, kitschy and, and uh, folksy. But yeah, man, that was so crazy to think about. And this guy got away with it. And then, then he lost the civil trial and got lost like $4 billion in a settlement. Wow. So, you know, they got, they got him. They, and then he'd, he'd gone to jail for bribing a, a city official wow. like a year later, like four months after his trial. He goes back on trial for bribing a city official, gets four years in the clink. And while he's in jail, he loses the civil trial and they came and take all his stuff. Wow. So he gets out of jail. He has nothing. They've like sold. He goes, they took my diplomas. Wow. And, you know, took them into custody. It's like, my gosh. So he ended up losing everything anyway, and now he started over. But it was But see, and I, and I do understand the difference between this, the criminal and the civil. But that that's a, a very – it happened with OJ as well. That's, yeah. that's a very well-worn path that seems like, again, just at first glance, that it can be such a waste of our governmental resources. Yeah. Like – if if you could be found basically guilty of the exact same thing, you could be thing, found liable, but it's a different uh, standard to be found liable versus guilty. Right? Yeah, and you go even though you're being basically tried for the same thing, mm-hmm. just with one for damages versus one for guilt, and you're just like, I, I don't. Yeah. I All I know is if I ever get accused of something, I want one of those lawyers. So I'm not <laughs> mad. You know, I'm not kind of. I'm kind of like. In, I'm, I'm fascinated that it worked, and I'm fascinated at how somebody could be. But then you just go, yeah. But if I ever got accused of something, and, and somebody said you did 39 counts of this, and I knew that I didn't, like I would be like, thank God these people are out there. Yeah. That can do this. You know, they always tell the person not to testify. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. But I would be the like because because you, you have to get cross examined. That's the hard part. See, I and think that guy's going to tie you in knots, right? I'll hear. I'll watch the shows or watch even you know actual things and. And I know you're under oath, but I think I would just be found in contempt every time because when I know I know this, I know when I'm being manipulated. And so, like, if the if the prosecution was like, so are you saying that there's no doubt? You know, if he twists my words, I'd be like, hey, no. And then I'd be like, I'd like to treat this witness as a hot no witness. I, I would like to badger this witness, please. Someone bring the witness a cup of water. And you'd be like, I like to buy a vowel. That's the thing. They know how to get you 
tied up. And then when you start turning red, then the jury starts doubting your word. But see, it's a pride thing to me. I think, yeah. I think, no, you're not going to get me. Yeah. In fact, if you start, I'll just call you out. I'll be like, actually, I know what you're doing. And oh, no, boy. just please answer the question. I'm not going to answer a question in a way that is not true. I'm not oh. going to answer the wrong question. You just fell into my trap. Young Ask man. me the right question and I'll answer it, your honor. And then that's when they take me in cuffs. That's, so, right. <laughs> that's when you're like, you're done right under the code red. <laughs> It's not as good without the curse words. I'm sorry. That's why Jack Nicholson said, didn't say you're darn right. I ordered the code red. <laughs> the movie would have tanked. That's right, man. Uh, it's like Shawshank. If you ever watch Shawshank, it's got language, but they're in prison. Right. You know? Yeah. My mom used to get upset about that kind of stuff, but I'd be like, mom, it's jail. They're not going to say yeah. golly gee. Right. It's like, it's like prison movies and war movies both. You're like, uh, I think when the Nazis were bearing down on them and hundreds of thousands yeah. of people were dying. You know, I think there was, yeah, they let the expletives fly. Yeah. Yeah. No, we don't do that. Don't talk about that. But no. we're not like at war or in prison. No, we're you know. safe for the whole family <laughs> here on cable. You know, I did go into our settings because you can set your podcast settings to clean. Oh yeah, or illicit, or not rated. And mm-hmm. you know, I actually thought. Yeah. I changed it to not rated because yeah. I thought you know it's not, and we are clean. There's right. no doubt. But, but we cover some subject matters. But sometimes. do we get into? But, but are we being? Am I, are we being filtered then by listeners who don't want to listen to to something that is labeled clean? Right. Like they want to hear real topics or whatever. So yeah. I thought well, maybe we're missing some listeners there. That again, if they listen to it, there's no harm. If they see not rated. I wonder if they're uh, they're thinking might, that we might get into something that's. Maybe I should put in a list and see what happens. Maybe our downloads will just skyrocket. <laughs> <laughs> but they'll be really disappointed. They'll skyrocket for like two episodes. That's the thing. Like when you're a kid and you hear that something has adult language, you're like, oh boy. Mm-hmm. But now that I'm an adult, I'm like, adult language to me is like mortgages, <laughs> your IRAs, <laughs> right. you know, <laughs> yeah, taxes, your lease payment, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, get renting a carpet cleaner. That's adult language. Right. Liability insurance. Yeah. Yeah. These are. <laughs> Yeah, all the time Sadie will say things to me like, Daddy, what are y'all talking about? And I'm just like, look, I would tell you, not you could understand it. You're very yeah. smart. But for God's sake, just be a kid because it would bore you to death. And you're, it's not, this is not the fun yeah, part go of adulting. Go live your life because yeah. you don't have to think about this. Just enjoy it. Just enjoy it. Hey, by the way, I had a cool experience last week. Okay. I meant to tell you, and I meant to say it last week and I did not. So I was a guest on a podcast. Okay. Uh, and what, it, what are those like? I know it was crazy, uh, and so I was interviewed on a podcast called Kennedy Dynasty. Okay, and so you we You're have a big actually, U.S. historian, so that makes sense. Yeah, I wouldn't call myself a historian. I You're like an amateur, that. amateur historian. I like that you said that, but I, unfortunately, any real historians listen. You're a history buff. I have a history degree. How about that? But it's a bachelor's degree in history, which again. I think Sadie's, you dabble in history. I dabble a little bit, yeah. So I was a history teacher. Anyway, they it was Allison uh, Holland who's the host. Who you, we've had Allison on the podcast. Yeah, before. she's great. Her podcast is blowing up. By the way, listeners, y'all got to go listen to Kennedy Dynasty if you love like all things Kennedy, not just JFK, but RFK and Jackie and Joe and the whole history of it all. And William Kennedy Smith. Camelot. That wasn't good. William that, was a, that was a dark chapter. They're so, all I mean, dark chapters, though. The Kennedys have had yeah. a bad run. They've, they've had a lot of a lot of bad things happen. So, but Are we being paid for this endorsement, by the way? No, no, no. This I, isn't like I, a... That's a good question. I don't know. I, I mean, mean they're, they're friends of the podcast, but it's a legitimately good podcast that I think all people right. should listen to. They well, enjoy. then I guess we'll give them a freebie. So, and you might get to hear me nerd out on... Because she asked me to talk about how 
past presidents influenced him and how he influenced future presidents. And so I went into all kinds of stuff. Like I really started at Washington and, yeah. went, and went forward. So that was fun. That was a fun time. And then how it affected the media, the media's perception of allowing um, privacy to the president, you know, not, not, you know, taping FDR in his wheelchair kind of thing. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I mean, everyone knew he had polio and he's in a wheelchair, but they, they didn't put it on camera. Yeah. So they would not film him coming in and out of a building. There was like this. Well, there's a perception that you want to perceive, be perceived as strong. And, and they felt like what was good for the president was good for the country. And yeah. how, when, and when that changed, you know, and, and how that changed through media and, and TV, uh, the breaking of the trust of the American people you know, with Nixon. So we kind of went, it was a really interesting, it was, it was a great interview. I thought, uh, we had a great time. So y'all should go uh, download Kennedy dynasty. And, uh, I think mm-hmm. it has like five episodes and you can follow her on Instagram. Kennedy dynasty on Instagram has got a ton of followers already. And she puts out a lot of cool stuff on that. So just, you know, little for those of you who like history and politics. It's great. I mean, she's, it's blowing up already. That's the thing. We've yeah. been doing this two years. We're trying to just grind it out. Yeah. It's kind of, we you know, a, I don't want to say we feel a little jealousy, but yeah. Um, well, I mean, maybe our maybe we don't have a centralized topic. That's as, what it is. We don't have that niche of like it's just like, hey, here's another rambling. No, I mean, uh, I think we're doing all right. We're doing fine. Here's the thing: Allison's also a social media like guru. So she knows what she's doing. She to get knows the word what she's out. doing, and we we dabble, as you would say. We're in the same way that you dabble in history in social media. It's it's not that I don't I, listen. I could lose myself in social media, and I have before. Mm-hmm. Like when social media came out, and I was first, you know, trying to get books promoted, all those things. I just know what it. I know how I'm made. I can become very obsessive, almost manic, you know. Yeah. Like a, like a Michael, young Michael Jordan. Like I'm, I'm just like Michael Jordan, minus right. the talent, the good looks, the charisma, yeah. and the fame. But other than that, uh-huh. just like him. And so this. I, I don't I can't go down the rabbit hole so much. I have to do a minimal amount that's healthy. In fact, my good friend John Elmore at uh, Watermark, who leads their regeneration program, he doesn't. I was on a call with him. He has a book coming out. Uh-huh. Um, I was on a call with uh, agents, and we were talking about his book. And it's weird because you can't get a book deal anymore without social media. You know, like you got to show how you're yeah. going to promote it, and he has none. And he just said, guys, this is a part of my, and he's a recovering alcoholic. He's a 12-year alcoholic uh-huh. and he's been clean now for over a decade. And he's like, guys, it's not just alcoholism that's my problem. Like, I know my obsessions and I know this is not healthy for me yeah. to be constantly looking at this all the time. It would cause me to be unhealthy in a lot of areas of my life, you know. And so he had like this this hold and he got a book deal, you know, because he's doing other things. And, and I think God ultimately decides what's going to happen in our life. So if you really believe that, it's like this weird line between, um, you know, responsibility and stewardship and then also trusting God's ways. So, I mean, because, again, I thought about that. I'm I'm going to go shoot another endorsement video yeah. today, you know, and that's something that I've been asked to do. It's stewardship. And I enjoy that. And it'll go out and there's like 10,000 views in the first video of that, you know, since two weeks ago. So that's great. Would that, would, is anything going to happen from that? I don't know. I can't really, the outcomes are out of my control. You yeah. Know? So there's like, I'm just going to do what I can, throw it out there. But Allison, what we're saying is, is we need you to make sure that you handle all of our social media, yeah. like individually, as a podcast, our families, just take over, like build a conglomerate, mm-hmm. be the CEO right. and we'll be customers. Like a podcasting network. Yeah. Yeah. We're like a social media network. Yeah. Holland Industries. What was the name of Jeffrey's old company that he wanted to... He made a t-shirt for it. Podco. Podco. That's right. Oh. Right. 
Do you have a Paco shirt? You I did. don't. I don't, and you can't get them anymore. They're very rare. I mean, we could just make more. Well, yeah, he could, but I think yeah. there was like a spread shirt thing where they make them as you order them. So it's, you know, it's a whole thing. So we called Jeffrey Pod, by the way, in case your listener hasn't listened that far back. He was a one of yeah, our guests old, as well. Uh, yeah, that's an old nickname. It's that's one of those nicknames you get when you're like a teenager. It was, and it stuck. Yeah. Like he, so Jeffrey, when he was, what, 14 or so, was already making our videos and stuff. Mm-hmm. We were all doing youth group stuff together. And that was just when iPods really right, first so came out. Right, so we called him J-Pod. because he knew every song. He knew all the stuff. So I, call, I, I believe, coined that. You the were the guy, huh? Yeah, I called him J-Pod. And then just shortened it to Pod. And then it shortened to Pod. And I knew this nickname. And I've given a lot of nicknames over the years, as you know. Uh-huh. Like we nicknamed a young man one time. Didn't mean to. Oh, no. Didn't mean to. But we kind of had a thing. We had a friend in Knoxville, whatever. I forget how it started. We'd be like, hey, what do you say, poo-poo? Was like, it was like one of these things. So right. we started saying, what do you say, poo-poo? And there was a kid, I won't say his name, but he was a good friend of ours still, who liked the nickname at first. Yeah. And so everyone started calling him Poo Poo. Yeah. And then they started calling him just Poop. And the guy went by the name Poop for about, I don't know, three, was, four years. Was long, long, and then long. he didn't want it any longer. I think no. after a while, I was like, okay, this is not good. I will never forget the night of the youth camp. You can't, you, you, you can't do certain things with that. You're not going to be like, uh, you know, Vice President Poop. Right. You know, like it limits you as far as your trajectory. And he, do you remember the story? We were at, they, we had the last night of camp out in the big softball field. There's about yeah. 400 kids out there. Uh-huh. And we had the bonfire and everybody's running around. They're roasting marshmallows, doing God knows what out in the dark. You know, you're right. just trying to keep a handle on it all. And I came up on this kid because back then the boys, guys, there's some, such crazy stuff happening. Yeah, of course. They would run around and just hit each other in the genitalia. Now, yeah, I would try to just, stop it. I was like, right. stop. What are you doing? So I walked up on a kid I did not know. Uh-huh. And I was like the – you and I were uh, like camp directors. I was the program director and you were the rec director. So we were kind of like an executive leadership for that week. Which is, again, that's poor decision <laughs> on everyone's part. Which is why the kids are running around in an open field with <laughs> yeah. a fire and getting, hitting each other in genitalias. And so I walk up. This kid I do not know, he's laying on the ground. And it was like, I was like, dude, are you okay? He was like, uh, I was like, man, what happened? And I kid you not, it was like a movie. He turned to me, he goes, <laughs> it was the one they called poop. <laughs> <laughs> and then he died. That kid died. Uh, and then the credits rolled. And I try not to laugh at him. I was just like, oh no, oh, that's my, my kid. Yeah. And, uh, and what's crazy, that, it's a camp story. So now that kid needs to grow up to be like Stephen Furtick. <laughs> You know? Or or Marilyn Manson, one of the right. other. Or yeah, he went the other way. <laughs> one of our kids kicked him in the balls, and now he's oh my he's gone to a life of crime. I'd like to reach out to that kid right now if you're yeah. listening and say, "I'm sorry, I gave him that nickname, but it did help me identify." I doubt he would have known. He would have yeah. been like, "I don't know, one of those kids from you know." Yeah. Instead, like that really did help the one me. They call poop. I was able to walk straight to the kid out of 400 who did it. Like there was no doubt, there was one kid there named Poop, and then you just high fived him. <laughs> Great shot. <laughs> No, you scolded him, but I mean, come on, what are you going to do? What are you going to do, man? These, I don't know, I mean, yeah, it's crazy. Camp, uh, of course, camp is in jeopardy. It's probably not going to happen. They have jeopardy camp now? Isn't that crazy? I'm sorry. You have to phrase, what is camp? You have to phrase it in the form of a question. <laughs> when are we going back to camp? That would be a great theme. That's the thing. They were always trying to come up with themes for camp, and we yeah. had to come up with it every year. And so, like, that was one time we did, uh, the, my favorite one that we ever did was when we did uh, uh, American Gladiators. 
Mm. Which again, it's like they tried to bring it. Remember, they tried to bring American Gladiators back in like two thousands. Yeah, it was a terrible because we realized like this was really dumb in the nineties. Yeah. But during that one like six month period where it was back on the air, I was like, let's do Camp American Gladiators, and I just imagined. So I built all these things, you know. Yeah. Dodge dodge balls are being launched at kids while they try to hide behind barricades and all these games, and they're dangerous games. Dangerous. <laughs> these are professional. Uh, yeah, come on. What were you hauling? Just what? I don't know. Kickballs or something? Yeah. But Soccer balls? Probably. Bowling yeah. balls? Whatever. But yeah. Just whatever. <laughs> just throw this. Golf ball? I don't know, man. But yeah, so we did that one year. But like, yeah, it would have been Jeopardy camp would have been. That's more of like a, that's like a math camp. Yeah, that's like a ministry. Like a, like yeah, a like ministry's a, camp for all the nerds <laughs> like myself. <laughs> we did do the PK camp. Yeah. Uh, all the preacher kids, yeah. which usually are the ones who, they're the troublemakers, let's be honest. I, I are one, I know. Yeah. yeah. So they got to do their own camp, so yeah. they could feel like. Well, it was a ministries camp. Anyone who felt called, no, we did do PK retreat. That's yeah, true. PK retreat. Yeah, yeah, we did that several times. We played worship for PK retreat. Did I speak at PK retreat one time? You did. Okay, you don't remember anything about it, do you? I don't remember it. It must not have been very memorable. Well, you're like, you know, you had your whole thing. You're third generation minister, yeah. and that was the whole. You know, you gave your credentials. And you're like, <laughs> you know, my grandma used to say, no matter how thin your poor pancake. Johnny, go go get my diplomas out of the car and bring them in. I want to parade in front of these fine youths. Yeah, and they're just they gloss over. Yeah. I don't know. I tried to be funny back then. But. No, I thought it was great. I, can't, I mean, who knows, John? These sermons. Ugh, they run hey. together, man. But <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, uh, you needed a great pancake story for your sermon. I tell you'll you, use that. You'll use actually, that it's really good. No matter how thin a pancake is, there's, there's two sides. Two sides. Like, that's actually good. Yeah. Like the guy made it up and it's told, but look, all truth is God's truth, bro. You know what I'm saying? It don't matter where it came from. <laughs> Did your grandma really say that? No. Man. No. I, made I, I killed my grandma. Whatever. <laughs> like, <laughs> I never had a grandma. <laughs> and they just fade to black. It's yeah. like, oh my gosh. That oh, was dark. Yeah. Man, was dark. But, so is he making money off of this documentary? That's the question. I don't know, but I think he's still practicing law somewhere. So his, you know, I'm sure his profile is you know raised by you yeah. know being it's it's like a landmark case i think he was a very green lawyer then and had never done a case like this so it's like he got thrust into this limelight yeah. and did so well that it was like it launched him and i think he left town like he left the state eventually because it was like one of those things like there were still people against that guy so it's hard to escape wow. the the opinions of it all do you ever are you the kind of guy in your career that thinks we talked this maybe before but do you think you'd like to, you said something's never done before. Yeah. Would you step out for the chance at doing something extraordinary uh-huh. that's kind of within your, your... Are you, is this a pitch? Are you trying to... Johnny. No, Johnny, I, <laughs> I want to talk to you about an exciting career in Amway. <laughs> <laughs> do you have the guts to step out? Do you remember the credit card things that we did back in the early 2000s where you was like a, it was a multi-level marketing... Yeah pyramid scheme it was called um oh my goodness i can't remember it's got a real spiritual sounding name um and it's horrible but was it all church people selling it no no it had nothing to do with it oh okay it came through family actually it was like you get someone else it was all like they sounds like corona (laughs) it started with my family and then it spread to me everybody and then it went out to the community We couldn't stop it. Dominion with an A. Oh, it was no. called Dominion. Yeah, it was all like coupons. It was like discounts. You Dominion get the card. With an a like Dominion. <laughs> Johnny, we're not explicit. We just said that. Uh, no, it's uh, 
uh, no, at the end, D O M I N A N A N. Yeah. So they, they spelled it wrong. Anyway, That's, it didn't work out. I was shocker. No. <laughs> I bought in and did not work out. But anyway, like there, so, so for you, it'd be like probably going and being an actor on a television show. So uh-huh. it, being a comedic actor, you've not really done that. Yeah. You've been on one movie. But you're funny. You've been in front of the camera a lot in but videos. But I wasn't funny in the movie that I was in. I will say that. But that wasn't your fault. Those are the lines. Yeah. When we've written stuff and you've written stuff, yeah. in the video, you're great on camera. So would you like go and be literally... Well, we're getting ready to find out probably. I hope so. Because, I mean, it's a thing. You know, like it's We're having to pivot and try to figure it out. So, yeah. I don't know. Um, yeah. If, I would like to... See, it's hard to say like, oh, I'd love to, love to act, but I've not put my energy into that right i just am waiting for it to just happen so that's not really fair to people who actually study acting and go do the craft and they go to auditions every other week like everything i've done with acting has been like handed to me and which is not much but uh but yeah i thought it was fun and i i I could see myself being interested in it because you learn i think it would help my stand-up i think people who've taken like tim hawkins he took acting lessons for like six months and he said it really helped his stand-up as far as like learning like to be present, you yeah. know, and, and even like blocking on stage, learning like how he's being perceived by the audience versus what he thinks he's being perceived as. And I think it helped him just be in the more centered or whatever, not to use like a Zen, you know, whatever. Sure. There's a thing about being centered and being present in the moment, which I think is what Jordan was the best at, by the way. Yeah. Better than anybody that's ever been is going I've got to go hit this shot right now and I'm not worried if I'm going to miss it because I'm not thinking about that. I'm thinking about this moment. Whereas I feel like even LeBron, he needs to be liked. He's thinking about his legacy probably because of Jordan because he he grew up watching Jordan be perceived as a demigod. So he knows if I miss this shot, I'm going to be perceived differently. So he's not able to escape. Like even on Twitter, you'll see him kind of like retweeting things that look him at a positive light or he'll snap back at things that wouldn't have been Jordan would have been like, ah, I'm too big for this. Now, maybe he would have been different on social media, but I'm saying, but anyway, all that said acting, I think teaches you to be more centered. Um, and maybe look outside yourself and see things as a whole. You're a piece of a whole, whereas stand up is very self-centered. It's very, uh, individualistic. Yeah. And you can fall into that trap. So I don't know. I think but I, if I was going to take a chance on something like let's say stand up, let's say comedy shows dry up for a year because crowds are afraid to gather, that'd probably be the thing that I would look into. Is like okay, well, let's see about this. But then again, I mean, how are they going to keep making that? Is it going to be a Zoom movie? We're <laughs> just making movies <laughs> in living rooms. I don't know. I mean, you know, I guess you can have a crew under forty nine or whatever. I mean, yeah, you know, depending on what that's, state you're. That's in. all I can afford, John. Yeah, yeah. What's the bare minimum crew I can? Yeah. See, I, mine is it. Mine is a. This guy's just so nerdy. Mine is a history book. I want to write like a legit. I have a legit story. I'm not going to share it here. But yeah. Legit lost to history story uh-huh. that is unbelievable. You know what it is, right? And so, and I love reading like true historians books that go that go to the public. Not like there there may be textbooks as well, but. You know, the, the grant book I'm reading is a thousand pages, which, again, I'll just be my on and off read for two years because it's just fun. You know, I'll read a, other books in between. But it's kind of where I go to late at night or whatever. It's it's a number one New York Times bestseller. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't know how. I don't know anybody but me who. <laughs> but so, I mean, I want to. I think it's the kind of book people bought and then it's, it's in our bookshelf. It's on the bookshelf behind their Zoom calls. <laughs> exactly. So that's, that's who bought it. Yeah. 
You're yeah, reading I, it. They just bought it as a prop. But I want to. Re- I want to write one like that. But I am totally. I haven't. I haven't. Again, undergraduate in history and all those things. And that's maybe not it's going to be do. about. Maybe it's going to be about Kennedy. Yeah, no, I know what it's going to be about. Okay, it's gonna it's gonna encompass the Civil War. Oh yeah, that's gonna, right. Oh, I know what this is. Yeah, I mean, yeah. and like it, aliens. It, I could tie it so much into what's going on today. <laughs> anyway, yes, aliens. But then I go. But that's a big jump. Uh huh. Like a a big jump. For but you're a writer. I mean, it's correct. I'm a writer, and I know. I guess it has to be. I don't know. I don't know. If that's the question. I don't know. It's yes, a, I'm a writer, but would it be good? Mm, never, I look, John. I think you go chase that thing down. Well, what do you got to lose, right? Just a lot of time and yeah, but yeah. What do we got right now? We got all this time. Yeah, and you're you, listen. You're not gonna listen at the end of your life. You're not gonna be like, oh, I wish I hadn't written that book. <laughs> I think there are actually maybe a few books. That you're gonna I may, be that way. I may think that at the end of my life, like you know, <laughs> that was a waste of my time. Or I shouldn't have read <clears> that <throat> book. I mean, the I shouldn't have read that one book. Eighty-eight <laughs> reasons why Jesus will return in nineteen eighty-eight. Yeah, we shouldn't have read that. Shouldn't have read that. That book. was a bad purchase. Somebody wrote that book. Um, so uh, tonight's exciting. Uh, yeah. We'll talk about this next week, but um, tonight we're doing our Zoom call. And yes, so, we uh, need to put out a social thing about that today to get some last-minute people online. Yeah. Zoom call with our patrons. Yep. And obviously this will come out after the fact. So there's this, us talking about it does nothing. But we're going to set up another one. Yeah, we'll set up another one. Uh, Almost all the patrons have responded. You know, some of them, a lot of them can't make it, but they really wanted to. And they'll try to make the next one. And some are going to be on there. So we'll just take, you know, 20, 30 minutes and hang out. So it'll be fun. We're going to patronize you. That's right. That's right. (laughs) (laughs) So that's exciting. Go check out our our Patreon page and... um, you know, again, there's some prizes and think prizes is the wrong word. There's extra benefits and things that come. Yes. So depending on what level you're on. So those should be going out here for our most recent patrons in the next uh, week or two. And then uh, be sure to check us out on social media and, and Johnny on Instagram, John on Instagram. Check out, uh, talk about that. The new logos are right. Up. And share those clips. We've been clipping out some of the uh, highlights of the show and share those out. That helps us get new listeners. Yep. And also pretty excited to announce we have a new website. You can now go to talkaboutthatpodcast.com, and uh, that's a great new landing page. If you have friends and you want to send them there, maybe the, maybe you're an Apple person and they're an Android person, and let's call the whole thing off. We'll just send right. them to it's talk a bitter about blood feud between talk about the two that podcast.com. And that, I think we have a new email address that you can use called hello <laughs> at talkaboutthatpodcast.com. So, so now you can um, – it's easy. Johnny, it's long, but it's easy to remember because we what are we? We're, we're talk about that. that. Podcast. podcast. So talk about that podcast. So uh, go check out our new website. It's not, you know, fancy, but it doesn't need to be. It's a spot where you can get more of this sort of thing. You can direct to our Patreon page there. You can also get your friends there. So check it out. Share it. Like it. Like Johnny said, if you see one of those new clips going around, man, take it and share it with a friend and uh, laugh a little bit. Mm. Just laugh, Johnny. Mm-hmm. <laughs> hey, guys, we do appreciate you listening. We'll see you next time on Talk About That. Finding uplifting news in today's headlines is often like searching for a needle in a haystack. At the Story Behind podcast, we believe in the power of finding heartwarming tales and are happy to share empowering stories with you every week. Hear about how Steve Harvey surprised a dying man on Family Feud with $25,000. Get inspired by the note a waitress received from a patron dining alone. 
and even hear about how one VIP passenger made a hardworking pilot get emotional before his flight. To start listening to the Story Behind podcast, visit lifeaudio.com or search Story Behind on your favorite podcast platform.